Hello and welcome to Piece of Me Inside Zalando. Why is this podcast called Piece of Me? Well, we ask each of our guests to bring along three items that are important to them. These pieces of me can be absolutely anything at all, but each one has a valuable lesson attached or an important story to tell. My name is Janine Matos and I am a Senior Program Manager for Partner Services. This podcast series is all about taking a look behind the scenes into fashion and tech retail. It's a world that is challenging, constantly evolving and always rewarding. We create the most fulfilling chapters of our working lives together. We'll give you the tools and tactics to succeed in fashion and tech retail and find out more about leading figures in the industry as they discuss their piece of me. On this episode, I'm talking to Dr. Alexander Wittmeyer, Market Research Analyst at Zalando. Hi, Alex. Welcome. Hi, Janine, and uh, thanks for having me. Really excited about sharing my experiences and going this journey with you today. Before we deep dive into what your role is and what you do, tell me, what are the three items that you actually brought along? Uh, I brought like three quite diverse items, I would say. But as we go along with our discussion, I think in the end, they will come together in, in the full picture. So actually, the three pieces that I brought today, first is uh, Ben and Jerry's ice cream cup. <laughs> yeah, one of my favorites. Then uh, Krishna figurine. And the third one is my military ID. Like I said, quite diverse uh, pieces of me. Wow, that's really amazing. It's really diverse. I'm really looking forward to finding more about each of them. But first, let's maybe talk about your role as market research analyst at Zalando. How does actually a day look like as a market research analyst? Well, basically, it can look quite different, but maybe let me lay out two different daily routines that I could be working in. Basically, at market research, we cover research projects, consumers, customers, want to get a better understanding about the market. They approach us with a request outlining their key questions. But basically, like this is one route, how my day could look like uh, receiving such a request and then thinking about how could the methodology look like? What do we need to consider? Do we need agencies that could support us depending on the research question? But then also, if you transition then later into a project, then it's about translating the insights that we obtained trying to answer the research question and also then communicating to our stakeholders what we found and making those insights actionable to them because usually they're coming from a marketing or a strategy point of view. Who are your typical stakeholders? Typical stakeholders, so as a background, so we at Market Research in the Fashion Store, we kind of grouped in three different sub-teams and my sub-team is, first of all, it's called Brand and Marketing Research. Yeah, tackling projects that evolve around brand perception and marketing-related questions. So, yeah, usually our stakeholders, they come from marketing. As diverse as all our markets are with 24 markets we operate in, you can imagine that also these questions, they, they might be really diverse and trying to maybe get an understanding of price perception and competitiveness, but also how we're doing on, I don't know, brand personality and awareness levels, uh, let's say, on quite new markets. Yeah, like I said, the project that we're doing, we're mainly covering from a perception perspective. We capture like the shopping experience from a consumer, customer perception point of view. Like I said, this is like one part of the story. So there is also a quarterly reporting that we do. We do have a dashboard where we gather all the, the movements that we see in the markets across different KPIs and see how they evolve, if they improve, if they don't improve. 
and how our competitors in each market are doing on, on various dimensions that are like layered down on, on strategic pillars and is also then used um, regularly for strategy, but also um, for you know, marketing uh, audience in terms of evaluating campaigns that they have run. Do we see like an uplift on awareness or consideration for, let's say, a beauty campaign that was run in, in several markets? This is also something where we're collaborating with engineers because this requires quite some efforts to bring all the data and transform the data from our service that we do so that users from across the organization can access without having to have like deep knowledge in analytics. On the dashboard, they can see and have a look if they want to do a presentation or something so they can right away have real-time data. Exactly. Absolutely. So yeah, this is the benefits. Uh, so 24-7, you can access the data. And also, I think we couldn't manage from from our side if uh, every stakeholder would reach out to us to request the data. Right, are these data or is this data then what you in the end also summarize in your report about brand love? It's a bit uh, different. So yeah, for, for this dashboard solution and also the regular tracking that we do on a regular basis, we do compose a summary that is accessible across the company that is briefly summarizing how we do across these KPIs in the different markets. And yeah, this is something where we create those reports. The other study that you mentioned, uh, Brandoff, this is yeah something I was really excited about because this is also something that I did during my time as a, as a PhD student on brand equity. And, and Brandoff was also something that I was really interested in looking into. And, and this is like where we basically had the question, is it enough for us as Zalanda to be perceived like strongly about those functional aspects, like great assortment, competitive pricing, and so on? Or what does it need to, to become a love brand? This is also something that required like more in-depth analysis from a methodological point of view, a more advanced statistical approach to really dig into the drivers behind what makes our customers love Zalanda as a brand. Is Zalando loved? It is, yeah. It is. Uh, we, we have a strong uh, base of uh, brand lovers. Customers love Zalando for also various reasons. And, and like I said, what we found in the study is that those functional aspects, like assortment, delivery, and pricing, this is um, not something that would be enough to, to make you like having such a deep emotional connection towards a brand. It requires more than being good on functional aspects, but rather like uh, being a companion You know, someone you can trust then is there for you as a brand across your journey, but also somebody then who shows like a personality, you know, certain values that you associate with a brand. So all these like deep emotional aspects that come with a brand, they become increasingly important. If you want to transition, let's say from I know this brand, then maybe I heard positive things about it. I trust this brand. In the end, I have such a good emotional connection that I, I can say, okay, I truly love this brand. And I feel like happy and excited about using the brand and its services. It's one of the studies that I had most fun doing. This is something that really sparked my, my interest, my passion. So talking about brand love, you brought your first item is actually a brand that you love, Ben and Jerry's, known for the amazing ice cream. Tell me, why Ben and Jerry's? Well, for me, Ben Derrick's, it's, it's not only the product. For me, it's, um, it's where also the brand comes into play because, I mean, there are many different good ice creams. But for me, it's a combination of something unexpected, like, like a classic, for example, cookie dough. This mixture just from a taste profile. So coming from the product, 
But then also, in addition, with this quirky uh, brand and those two guys who started this little company out of nowhere and made it such a cool brand. For me, it was really amazing to see such, such a brand nourish and develop over time. Also, the other story behind why I chose Ben Jerry, so for me, it's related to my obsession towards <laughs> consumer goods. I don't know where this is coming from, but already in a young age, I was always like turning around products. Uh, let's say I, I would have like a KitKat bar. I would turn it around. Okay, let's see. Uh, this is coming from Nestle. I was always interested in house of brand architecture. And for me, strong brands had always this like magnet, you know, I was always fascinated by the fact that if you're as a consumer, you stand in, in a retail store and you have the option to choose from, I don't know, five, six chocolate bars, for example, you, you don't know them at all. So you don't have any awareness level. Nobody told them about it. And then just judging by the brand and the packaging and stuff, which one would you choose? So yeah, this is where my passion for brands in, in general was coming from. Then also linking to the Brand Love Study and the PhD that I did on, on brand equity to get a better understanding there. And this is also something that led me to my first job, actually, um, in the consumer goods industry. And I had my first job as a trainee in marketing and sales, then in the spirits industry. And for me, this was really an exciting experience because I had this kind of addiction to, to brands, you know, and getting an understanding of consumers and why they be behave in a certain way. And then I was in a role where I was able to shape like how consumers and customers were uh, perceiving the brand from a marketing perspective. And actually, that reminded me of a story from a liquor in Portugal 100 years ago or something. He couldn't sell his liquor, so he would have people go into the bars and ask for that liquor, but never, no one had it. And like a week later, after three people asked, the seller of the liquor comes in like, hey, by the way, I represent this liquor. And of course, they start buying them to have it in stock because people were asking for it. Nice strategy, yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is this is usually a way to go, you know. If awareness is not there, start off building the awareness and getting word of mouth. And then if your product is ready, then transition to the retail. Yeah. So tell me, what is the second item that you brought along? The second item that I brought along, I, I told you, was a Krishna figurine. And this dates back to a time when I was doing my master thesis uh, in, in France. And uh, we had to propose a topic for our master thesis. And uh, we were discussing how, how India is exciting as a market. And yeah, somehow this, this idea of like doing a project in India got stuck to my hand because the, the market is so exciting, so diverse in terms of like consumer profiles, geography, preferences, languages. And I found this like really exciting. So I proposed to my supervisor to do research in India. Why I chose like specifically Krishna, because Krishna in Hinduism represents love and compassion. And for me, this is the story how I fell actually uh, in love with research and uh, being passionate about doing research and, and consumers and, and deriving insights. For me, this was one of the coolest experience I did so far. So you flew to India to do the research? I know it was retrospect. It was kind of a crazy idea, but like my, my supervisor, she was a brand manager for Mars and then she was a professor at my university. So she was like equally excited. Yeah. Then I basically, I had some Indian friends in my cohort. And so they had connections. They would translate my survey into four or five different local Indian languages. So I had my questionnaires with me printed out because I actually, I wanted to see how does consumer behavior differ 
in the urban part of the country, you know, if you think of cities like Delhi or Mumbai, you know, but then also rather rural villages in the northeast or in the south of India. I had like the questionnaire translated. I had it all planned out. I had a laptop with me to do the analysis on the spot. And then so I started off. I was traveling at five weeks through India doing my research. And uh, yeah, I started off in major cities, you know, and, and then I was transitioning to the part where I would uh, like gather responses from, from the rural people. And this is where, where the challenges were coming. So first of all, how to reach them. I mean, most of them are then basically employed in agriculture. So they do their fields from early in the morning un until the evening. So the household basically is the elderly and young children, which were not really representative for my kind of study. Basically, we were like knocking on like randomly on people's doors. <laughs> They're like these crazy Europeans. They have nothing other to do than just come here and knock on my door. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, this just didn't work. So I took like two days to think of a different strategy. And then, so I, I targeted like one of the holy cities where people would come from the rural parts of the country to do their prayers there. So they would come with the buses. And this is also where I did my research, like at the bus stations. And I was like distributing my questionnaire. But the cool thing about it, I brought so much intention like to this bus stop and there, where people were asking, what are you doing? And they were like equally excited as I was about the research. So they were helping out, you know, in their local language, distributing the questionnaire. So Yeah, this turned out then to be really successful. And I got to know so many amazing people, like inviting me to, to visit a temple, uh, to go home for dinner with them. I, I joined like a wedding really <laughs> randomly. So <laughs> uh, I think this is also like for me personally, where it comes like all together, you know, because I had jobs in marketing. So I, I kind of have this understanding from marketing stakeholders. Then I discovered my passion doing research in India which I then followed up on doing my PhD and really digging into those topics around brand. And so then finally, all this came together doing market research. For me, it's the perfect like sweet spot, like knowing this marketing world, but also having the analytical understanding and bringing all this together in a market research role where you actually get problems or research questions from your stakeholders. Then you do the analysis and then you translate it back to the stakeholders. And I think for me, It totally made sense. And yeah, like I said, it's, it's the sweet spot of both worlds. You, you found your place, the market research. That's your happy workplace, let's say. <laughs> so let's talk about the third item. You said your military ID? Yes, my military ID. So in Germany, when I did my A-levels and I left school, uh, it was mandatory to do civil service or join the military. So I did my nine months of yeah, military training and so on. I met a reserve officer in, in the unit I was doing my service. And he told me about this opportunity to have this reserve officer career next to whatever you're doing professionally. So I said, okay, why not? Let's, let's give it a try. I, I like travel. I thought, okay, I, I need to do more traveling. And so back in the day was coming from the motivation to, to earn money, to be able to afford traveling in, in Southeast Asia. I mean, there are also other considerations, you know, doing something for your country and learning on how to tackle physically and uh, mentally challenging tasks. But also, yeah, for me, it was motivation for uh, traveling, basically. Yesterday, I, uh, I saw a show on Amazon Prime. I don't know if you heard of it. It's uh, One Mic Stand. Okay, it's basically Teddy Tecklebrand, who's a yeah, German comedian. And each show, he uh, preps 
like non-comedians to do a performance, like five to 10 minutes to do a stand-up comedy. And uh, the guest he had yeah, yesterday, he said one thing, that, that point when you like go past your fears, you actually start living. And uh, this is also something that I discovered like during my reserve officer trainings back to the time when I was doing my studies. Whenever I did the training, let's say doing a survival training, yeah, really going through the mud, uh, crossing ice cold rivers, crossing swamps in, <laughs> in every situation that the military put me, I needed to leave my comfort zone. I mean, yeah, you don't cross ice cold rivers every day. I mean, exactly. I, I think like in general, we, we do feel comfortable with uh, a certain level of security. I think it's natural to, to stick to something that you know, because it gives you self-confidence being like in a secure environment. But the experience that I did, I did pass like my comfort zone. And in the end, I was, I was really proud of doing so because I was like personally growing so much going through that experience and also seeing that many situations you don't have to tackle on your own. And this is maybe something that I was having like the mindset before that you would have to tackle certain things on your own. Otherwise, it could be like a sign of weakness. But basically coming across so many situations where you simply cannot do on your own or you, you require some people to, to help you out because you cannot cross the swamp on your own. And so, yeah, it's perfectly okay to ask for assistance and developing a team spirit that's like really crucial and, and delivering also as a team. Yeah, this helped me a lot in my, in my personal development. So you're pushing yourself to your limits mentally and physically, actually, in the military. As I say, it was not only the survival and going through like all the trainings, you had in parallel still like also your studies and... Yeah, absolutely. And to a certain extent, it doesn't come natural to do so, you know, but... Uh, the more often you go across these fear moments, you know, or those moments which don't come natural to you, I think I learned to embrace more and more those moments where you don't have like all figured out and you don't have full certainty, which I think also in a business environment, you don't always have, you know, and, and trying out things without knowing the answers like ahead. That's a cool path to go because I think it leads to many cool learnings and, and exciting moments. Yeah, when you have a new situation coming up, you're not as afraid anymore because you know everything can be solved. There's always a solution for everything, right? Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think maybe 10 years ago, I would have slightly panicked if I get like a new task and I don't know the answers yet. But it's going to work out in the end. I don't know how, but I'll get there. Thank you so much, Alex. Really nice seeing and hearing about the three items that you brought along. And, and I think that's a really good way to close today's session. Alex, thank you so much for being today with us. Yeah, thanks also, Janine, for inviting me. Uh, it's been a pleasure and uh, I was glad that I'm part of it. Thank you all so much for listening. If you'd like to know more about careers at Zalando, go to jobs.zalando.de. Our next episode is coming in two weeks. And I'll be talking to another guest from Inside Zalando about life inside the fashion and tech retail industry. And of course, there are three pieces of me. In the meantime, visit our Instagram page, Inside Zalando, to know more about us. <laughs>